Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. I am coming to you on 3.23 of 23. If it was 3 p.m., it'd be even more fun, but we shall see. Episode 382, and we're going to go back to basics. We're going to talk about what it means to be a Republican. What's the point? But before we get into that, let me remind you, you can do me a favor. You can like, share, subscribe to the show. You can follow me on social media. You can join my group on social media, aka Fascist Book. You can also go to your local pod subscriber situation and sign up there. And if you are particularly enthusiastic about the work I've been doing, you can comment there or you can rate me there that would be fantastic help me out let's keep growing the show and getting the word out all right so the texas legislature has been in session for some time now or we're starting to get word of some of the things that are coming out of the legislative session now for those of you following along we talked about very early on that what good does it do to win elections to elect a speaker who then turns around and rewards Democrats? Now, I understand the theory that you don't want to shut out 40% of the population. Or even if it's 35% of the population, you, you don't want to shut them out. You don't want to include them in the process. But what I don't understand is why do we pretend that we're winning if we keep handing over the reins to somebody else. Now, the idea of being a Republican uh, or a conservative often is faced with (laughs) vitriol and quite, uh, you know, just a terrible reputation among people that are not counted by our numbers. And, our marketing stinks. Our messaging stinks. And we, we just cannot get people to understand what we're trying to do. Or is it that they do know what we're trying to do and they just don't want it? They, they actually like being treated like a child. They want to be babysat. They want to be coddled from cradle to grave. Well, depending on how uh, negative you're feeling at any one given day, your answer or the answer that you would choose between those two may vary from time to time. I'm here to tell you, for me personally, I think it's a mix of both. I think we so much time is invested in rewarding people for showing up, right? The, The participation trophy of life. And if you don't put any risk, if you don't put any challenge, um, those people that experience that begin to think that things should just be handed to them. But what's even more interesting is there's an entire group of people that, for whatever reason, got a bad deal. Maybe they grew up in the wrong part of town. Maybe their parents weren't around. There are legitimate things that impede them from being successful. But they're taught, and it's a learned behavior, to blame somebody else. Again, 
All these groups are predisposed to disregard what our messaging is. They're, they're predisposed to see us as the enemy, right? The problem is our messaging is, well, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Okay. If you have boots, that works. But we live in a culture that has taught people there's no reason to have boots because somebody's going to take care of you. We reward people for being irresponsible. We have generations of people that know nothing more than I got a check for existing. So we, we have to look at it as how do we deprogram that out of society? How do we correct the error? So you can talk to sociologists, you can talk to researchers, you can talk to cultural examiners. You, you can look into all these kinds of research and they're going to often come down to two to three different things that pay, play, play the most important part of this scenario here. Some will say it is the rejection of God, right? The, the lack of influence from Christianity. Okay. Some will say it is the lack of fathers, that the, the breakup of the family is is the cause of the problem. And, and some will say that it is mm, the desire for everybody to be an individual to a fault. Now, you can choose to believe in all of these, none of these, or take pieces of each, right? And put it together to come up with your own conclusion. But these are three common um, explanations of how we got to where we're at today. And I, I'm not looking to re-examine them, question them, refute them. I, I'm just willing to say each excuse or each understanding has some merit. So as a Republican uh, of the political parties that have any influence in this country, we're the least hostile to religion or Christianity. Now you'll note that I explained it as least hostile. <laughs> I mean, if you look at what goes on and how we do things, the Republican party is still hostile to Christianity and, and to other religions while we're at it. But I don't buy the notion that we should embrace the pluralistic society thing to our own detriment. I think that Tolerance means that we accept there are going to be people that disagree with us. We accept that there are people that are are not going to go along the way, but we tolerate it. We don't celebrate it. We don't, you know, sell that to the general public as a good thing. It's not. It's divisive in its own way. Okay, so let's look at it from the standpoint of, well, family, right? So we've got <clears throat> the Republican party that at least the majority of us still subscribe to the idea that uh, marriage is between a man and a woman and they have their genetic biological children of their own. And in other circumstances, they may adopt non-biologically genetically related children to raise them in the absence of another family. We see these as good things. And once upon a time, we used to reject the idea 
that, you know, same-sex couples or single parents ought to be uh, given orphans. Somewhere along the line, we decided it was better to be put in a house with quote-unquote loving parents or parents, no matter what their makeup or their uh, behaviors were, was better than, you know, leaving a child off on their own. Now, whether or not I agree with that, that's where we are right now. In fact, it's actually gotten to the point now where in our quest to die, we have inverted the system to where we actively look to place children in situations that just 30 years ago would have been anathema or not allowed. In fact, um, someone like myself and my wife would be less desirable for many children for adoption because of what we are, who we represent or what we represent. And that's kind of a sad commentary of where we've come as a country but that's where we're at. And in the Republican Party celebrates two dudes that are basically buying designer children and like this is a good thing. And we poo poo uh, some of this uh, designer uh, or redesigning of children in grade school. So I'm confused. Ought we be consistent here? You shouldn't by designer children, nor should you recreate your child after it's born to you. And I, and I heard somebody make the comment that if we want to blame anybody, if we want to point the finger at anybody as why this is happening, you should blame white suburban liberal women. I mean, who else is going to bring their children to have perverts dance in front of them half naked or dressed as a sex that they were not born as, right? Who else is going to uh, coddle the idea that little Johnny is actually a little Mary or little Mary is actually a little Johnny. No, I mean, that's abuse to your child, but we pretend it's not. We prefer to say we're affirming their decisions. A 12 year old doesn't have the moral cap capability, the mental capability, or quite frankly, the presence of mind to make these decisions for themselves, yet we go along and play along with this. And at least until recently, the Republican Party said, yeah, that's a little crazy. We're not going to go along with that. That's a bad idea. We're going to stand athwart that. We used to understand that you don't sacrifice your baby to Moloch or kill the baby in the womb to celebrate independence and down with the patriarchy. But apparently now we're getting weak on that as well. Notice the Democrat Party has gone from being, let's call it center left to far extreme leftist. And once upon a time, and I've said this, I think once before, once upon a time, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump were considered Democrats in good standing. And yet now Joe Biden isn't considered left enough, and apparently now Donald Trump's the model Republican. Now, fortunately, they don't call him a model conservative, just a model Republican. 
So I, I, I think there's something to be gained there. But again, going back to my original statements, you know, when I first started this podcast, conservatism doesn't conserve anything. Conservatism spends most of its time defending the defeats that it had 20 years ago. And here we are. Is it any wonder that we're at where we're at today, that people aren't even sure what the Republican Party stands for? They're not sure what a conservative is. And quite frankly, I don't think that a lot of people that self-identify as either of those know what it means. Now, fortunately for us, there were a number of books written. Now, most of them were 60 years ago at this point describing what it is to be a conservative, right? I mean, just as easy as Russell Kirk. I mean, you can go further back to look at some of these other um, people that would describe what conservatism is, John Calhoun, Um, or even more recent books, Patrick Buchanan, would be helpful to understand what it is to be a conservative. And they hold the line and they know right is right and wrong is wrong and they don't necessarily subscribe to either party. They just acknowledge that one party typically goes along with what they stand for more than the other. Now they've, at least in Pat Buchanan's uh, case, he's flirted with multiple third parties to better represent his conservative paleo conservative brand. Right. But again, the conservatives always looking to give ground always looking to try and triangulate to get something. We have our uh, West Coast Straussians that have determined that equality is now a conservative virtue and value. Well, what kind of equality? Who defines equality? And what what does that mean? Are we talking really equity or are we talking equality? And who determines that? And are we talking about equality of outcome or equality of access? Don't know. I don't think they know. And, and, you know, Brian McClanahan has spent a lot of time over the last, I don't know, several months touching on this very issue multiple times. And as a pause, you should really go check out the Brian McClanahan show and where he talks about think locally and act locally to see how some of this directly influences where I'm coming from. Because I got to be honest with you, between him, Tom Woods and Chris Ann Hall, they or have become quite big uh, intellectual influences, but I also try and meld that which I already know, that which I already believe with what I'm learning or hearing from them, and then directly take those principles and transport it or translate it into a local action where we are in McKinney, Texas. So as you may recall, last year I spent time in Houston serving on the platform resolutions committee for the Republican party of Texas. And we, we tried to narrow down the scope of the platform, which is 300 some odd planks, I think, and multiple pages long. And we feel like we need to address every hot button in every issue that there is in the country and in the state of Texas. So we have an answer for everything. So if you ever doubt what it is to be a Republican, that platform's pretty conclusive. The only problem is 
the only people that seem to care about it are the ones that showed up in Houston and voted on it. And then I'm not even so sure that they really read it. So you may ask yourself, well, what good is a platform if nobody follows it? Well, funny you should ask. In the rules and in the platform, it basically states that if an elected official should choose to violate the platform or the principles in three specific areas or three specific infractions within a term, they're eligible for censure. So being that you have various uh, representatives that claim to be one thing, but then act another way, this comes in handy, but only if it had teeth. Well, you see those very same people that serve at our pleasure, forget that. And they have their people show up and they went to the rules committee and the rules committee came up with rule 44 and rule 43, which basically said that if you are a naughty legislature or a naughty Republican, you can be punished by the state executive party or yeah, executive committee of the party, excuse me. Unfortunately, that got watered down because, well, we have some milk toast Republicans, people without spines, or quite frankly, people that just don't want to protect the brand. So now you may recall, I touched on this uh, yesterday's episode when we were talking about the idea of the quote unquote nonpartisan races and the importance of the brand and what it means to be a Republican. And, and the idea is, is that we're, we're setting a minimum threshold. And if you meet the minimum threshold of what it is to be a Republican, as we understand it, as the platform states, as a county party, then you're eligible for an endorsement. And then perhaps the executive committee will take it upon themselves to endorse you as a good Republican candidate. But there's no given that that's going to happen. In fact, there may be other people in that race and now gets dicey. But again, as good Republicans, we know that people have differences of opinions and people don't hold 100% to everything all the time. And we have been brought up with the notion that we're a big tent. So I really don't want to ever see this get into an ultimate purity test, but I will say that there are times where you got to draw the line. Now, for me personally, if you're going to say it's okay to kill your baby in the womb, yeah, I'm not comfortable with you defining yourself as a Republican, much less a conservative. If you're going to say that you think that the state ought to be able to take firearms away from anybody short of a felony conviction, Yeah, I'm not okay with that. I don't think you get to call yourself a conservative, much less a Republican. Now, there might be some people that disagree with me, but according to the platform, which was passed by an overwhelming majority, something like 90% of the people that showed up, the platform agrees with me on this. So then we have to figure out, well, what do we do when the people that we elect that claim to be Republicans Choose to ignore those things. Now, to the best of my knowledge, we don't have any Republicans, with the exception of maybe Susan Collins and 
the lady in Alaska who actually think killing your baby in the womb is a good thing or would defend it or protect it. Okay. But I might be missing somebody as far as at the U.S. level, right? The U.S. Senate. In Texas, our state representatives are all conservative Christians when they're running for office. Unless, of course, they're in fact Jewish, in which case they just say they're good conservatives. And, of course, when they get to Austin, they reveal themselves to not really be that conservative. And we see all sorts of crazy things put forth for consideration at the House and the Senate. Now, the good news is, is usually the Senate is a little bit more conservative and goes and kills a lot of these bad bills. And then the couple of things that the Senate goes mm, a little off script with, the House will usually kill. So between the two of them, we don't really get, mm, let's say, extremely destructive bills to pass, typically. But this term, after we've spent 10 years working to get a, let's call it the I'll just call it what I call it. The limited permitless carry law, aka constitutional carry law, passed just last session. It seems that this session both Lieutenant Dan and my very own Collin County State Representative Jeff Leach have determined that, well, no, really, we didn't mean that. We're going to now insert some more restrictions. Well, we're going we're gonna to come up with uh, some kind of red flag provisions here. Now, I understand that people want to look good, right? They're doing a little virtue signal there, right? They're trying to sell the idea that we're going to, we're going to keep the guns out of the hands of the mentally unstable or the criminals. Yeah, that really doesn't ever work that way. And it's been historically proven time and time again, but Hey, okay. We want to look good for our constituents. Yeah, I'm not buying it. So to make matters worse, Now we're going to have, courtesy of the bill that was put forth by, again, our very own Jeff Leach, a bill that's going to let schools determine whether or not children have a mental defect. And if that mental defect should be determined by the school district to exist, that would be put forth for the state to keep track of so that they might not be able to purchase firearms when they become of legal age. Now, I'm sorry, this kind of smacks a minority report. It kind of smacks of asking people that are unqualified to make determinations to make them. And quite frankly, if they're still minors at the time, anything that they would do should be sealed. And they haven't, in fact, been convicted of any kind of felony. So I'm really not sure how this works. But, you know, Jeff has that fancy law degree. I'm sure he found a way to justify it somehow, some way. It is my fervent hope that some of his colleagues will talk him off this ledge and perhaps he'll withdraw it or at least be defeated. And speaking of defeating, perhaps somebody will run against him and defeat him in the primary. That would be maybe just wishful thinking on my part. But then again, anybody that's got a half a million dollars that they would like to spend on that, I would love to talk with you. In any case, back to the subject at hand. If you are a Republican, you're not supposed to support these things. You're not supposed to want more expansive and intrusive government. 
Now, there are those that have said for 20 or 30 years, back before the Supreme Court uh, made a determination of a law incorrectly, but they used to say, we want the government out of your bedroom too. Well, yes, of course, I do want the government out of your bedroom. I didn't want it in there in the first place, nor do I want it in your wallet or in your house. But the fact of the matter, it already is there. And guess what? Both parties invited them a long, long time ago. Now, at this point, somebody out there is yelling, but the libertarians, they don't want any of this. They are opposed to all this. Yes, I know. But unfortunately, they don't care about the border and they really don't have a good answer on at least one or two other issues, which unfortunately means that they're just going to stay relegated to obscure thought. And and I got to be honest, I agree with them a whole heck of a lot, but in Texas or really any other state, except for maybe New Hampshire, they have zero influence. Except for those of us that are Liberty Republicans who actually like a lot of the libertarian points of view on things, we put up with the Republicans, we work with the Republicans, we side with the Republicans, we like the Republicans, particularly the conservative ones and the other ones that actually see the value to liberty and respecting other people and, oh, I don't know, private private property, privacy, hmm those pre-existing rights that were spelled out in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, yeah, we like those people. We get along with them just well, very well. And we, I consider myself friends with quite a few libertarians, and I'm their friend, I'm their ally, but I'm still a Republican, and I'm going to do the Republican thing. And where I deviate from my Republican platform honestly, most of those things are just minor issues that I'm not willing to lose sleep over or quite frankly, fight the party on or my Senate district or my house district. Why why would I do that? We have so long to go to get closer to Liberty. Why would I focus on things that we disagree with? I'm going to stick with the things that we agree with. I'm going to stick with the things that matter the most to the most people. And quite frankly, those small issues that if and when we should ever get to the point that we can deal with them, okay, then I'll worry about it. But we're not there yet. we got so far to go. So, so far to go. What it means to be a Republican. The underlying issue is that you're supposed to respect your fellow man. You're supposed to be respectful of a difference of opinion. You're supposed to hold to those permanent things, right? You're supposed to value solid culture, solid family. You're supposed to value the good old time religion, if you will. Now, for some people, that's going to differ. I mean, I know we live in a postmodern society and people want to argue what truth is, which is ludicrous on its face. But again, how do you market that to a generation that doesn't even understand up is down and left is not right? Or I'm sorry, up is not down and left is not right. They reject the idea of truth. They reject the idea that you can even know what truth is. And quite frankly, the school system has done a really good job of reinforcing the idea that you can't know these things. So how do you deal with this? You got to go back to basics. We got to start from where it all began. We hold these truths to be self-evident, right? We need to be willing to spend time in the trenches. We need to be willing to invest time. 
you know, they talk about the idea that we hate education. They talk about the idea that we want to kill the schools. But that, that's simply not the case. That's a ridiculous assertion. Conservatives have always valued education. They've always valued experience. There is nothing about the Republican Party that would seek to destroy this. Yet that's the same stuff that's sold over and over again. You know, I was thinking about this issue, and as I come to the tail end here, I saw a sign, and I made fun of it because it was SOS, Save Our Schools. Well, I'm sorry. I thought the priority in the school district was to serve our students. So if we're we're choosing to value a building or a bureaucracy over the children, that's a problem. And we're going to spend some more time talking about that probably next week, right? Because we still have this race going on. We still have multiple candidates trying to unseat the oligarchy, right? The long-term incumbents that have really not done anything lately that matters, but we, but we need to be willing to meet it head on and we need to be able to discuss it and offer proper alternatives, not just complain about what they're not doing. And again, this goes back to marketing. It goes back to telling their story. It goes back to the message. And what is the message of the Republican Party? Well, we don't like Democrats. We don't like CRT. We don't like this. Okay, all right, that's a given. But what do you like? What do you support? What do you want to do? What can we do better? These are things that we need to focus on. These are things that we should not be sacrificing our ideals on. These are the things that when the people that do sacrifice our ideals that we need to show them, we're not going to tolerate it. So I don't care if it's Lieutenant Dan in Austin. I don't care if it's Red Flag Dan in D.C. or if it's our U.S. Senator John Cornyn or our little old state rep out of Collin County. When you support red flag laws, when you when you support restrictions to people that would otherwise legally be able to own a firearm to protect themselves or protect our liberty, you're the problem. You're the bad guy. And it's just a matter of time until we deal with you. I'd like to think we'd be as simple as primarying you, but unfortunately in today's day and age, unless you got some buku bucks and a lot of name recognition, that just don't happen. So the next best thing is to just keep wearing you out and letting everybody know how you sold us out. That's what it means to me to be a Republican. You got to be willing to show up and do battle and stand on what matters. Well, I'm going to wrap it up right on time. Join me tomorrow as I'm going to tell you three stories. They're brief analogies on how we got to where we're at today. And with that, this was According to Callus. I will see you on the other side.